Rosh Hashanah Daf Kaf Bet. We will be completing the first Perek and starting the second. But no worries, they actually flow right into each other because both Perekim are talking about being Mekadesh the Chodesh. Uh, we um, ask witnesses, wherever they are, to come to Jerusalem should they see the new moon so that they can testify. Uh, because the Betin, uh, even if they know how to calculate and, uh, uh, um, you know, and um, it's obvious, nevertheless, they have to go through the process, hearing witnesses, and then when they accept it, they say, Mikudash, Mikudash. Okay, so we're learning here that the witnesses can even uh, travel on Shabbat. An amazing halacha that uh, this overrides even, even Shabbat because it's that important to, number one, get the date right, especially if it's uh, during the holidays, if it'll affect that. During the time of the Bet HaMikdash, you had to make sure to do the Korban, uh, Musaf of the of Rosh Chodesh on the right date. Uh, so therefore, uh, we even violate Shabbat. And now we're going to add another chidush to this. Here's a new case. Mishnah. Av ubeno shera'u et ha-chodesh. A father and son are out while taking a walk at night, and they see, oh, look at that, look at that, the new moon. Or maybe uh, late afternoon. Usually they would see it around sunset. And they both see the new moon. Yelchu. They should both go. Lo shemistarfin Not that they can join up with together, because... Uh, in general, a father and son, or relatives in general, cannot join together as witnesses. They're relatives, and um, so you can't uh, you know, trust relatives to be witnesses together. That's a halacha now. We have to find people are not related at a, at a wedding. Uh, sometimes it's hard. Everybody's related. So, Rather, reason why they both go is because uh, should one of them become disqualified, maybe there's another pair of people that one of them becomes disqualified. And so in that case, you can mix and match and take, let's say, just the father and take one from the other pair. And now we have two that we can rely on. So this is a, even a bigger chidush, even though there's no way we're going to accept this father and son as witnesses. Nevertheless, they violate Shabbat and travel just in case one of them might be necessary. And we don't know which one, because maybe the father will be pasul and the son will be okay, or the other way around. All right. So for this reason and others, um, I think that there's more to the story than simply having to ha having witnesses to know. Um, but uh, we're going to see the polemical side of it again soon. Uh, so in this case, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Avu Kirobin Kesherin so Tanakama says, no, we're going to see Tanakama has the opinion of Rabbi Yosei also. Rabbi Shimon, however, that's Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he says a father and son and any relatives, they're fine for Kiddush HaChodesh. We're not talking about monetary things where, you know, maybe I would conspire with my brother to uh, try to uh, falsely accuse someone. In this case, they don't get any personal benefit. So therefore, yes, we can rely on witnesses according to Rabbi Shimon. And now we have a story. Stories are unusual in the Mishnah. So anytime you do have a story, it's probably very important. Dr. Good, that's his name means, uh, saw the new moon in Jerusalem. Not only he, he saw it with his son and also with his freed servant. That would be that person was not Jewish and uh, was taken on as, a, um, as an Evid Kena'ani. And Evid Kena'ani, who was freed, becomes fully Jewish. So it's like a conversion. 
So basically, this is someone who converted to Judaism, which, you know, uh, really would be a Jew for basically all reasons. So these three people uh, saw saw the moon together, and they all came to Jerusalem. This is absolutely fascinating. You see, there's two, two groups of people that greet the three witnesses. First, they come to Kohanim. And then they go to the Betin. So who are these Kohanim? They are some group that's separate from the Betin. I would think that who's in charge in the Bet HaMikdash, who's in charge in, in this whole legal process, it would just be the Betin. But there seems to be another group of Kohanim that they came and said, oh, you know what? We accept you and your son, but not the slave. Now remember, he's not actually a slave. He was freed, so he's okay. But it would make a lot some sense that Kohanim, groups of Jews, we know that the sectarians, uh, like the Sadducees, they were mostly Kohanim. And Kohanim, they become Kohanim by, because of lineage. Kohanim always emphasize lineage. You have to be from the right family. And so for them, father and son, that's okay. But the slave slash convert, who, that's from a different, they were born from a different family. So um, in general, Kohanim were not so favorable to conversion or, or uh, accepting anything from slaves. So it makes sense that Kohanim would do that. And I might makes me wonder whether these Kohanim are in some way a hint or related to some of the sectarian groups. Um, in this case, you don't have to say that because the Kohanim actually agree with the Bishimon. The Bishimon says you accept the father and son, so they also do. Although the Bishimon says you don't accept, the Bishimon does not say that you reject the, the freed slave. And uh, these Kohanim do reject the freed slave. Anyway, that Kohanim seemed to be interviewing them first. But then eventually they move down the line and they come to the actual Betin and the Betin say the opposite. They say, you and the freed slave are totally fine uh, because why not? That's, you know, two Jews and not related or anything. And they said the father and son, the son is no good. That's to their family. So in other words, the Betin is using the normal rules of witness uh, testimony. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Now, um, what is the source for Rabbi Shimon that says you can accept uh, a father and son relatives for Kiddush HaChodesh? So the main pasuk that we learned that uh, Nisan is the first month and here Hashem tells Moshe and Aharon, he says HaChodesh Hazeh and the word Hazeh is always understood in Midrash to be pointing to something that's in front of them and said this, if you ever see a, mo a moon that looks like this, this new moon of Nisan, then you'll know that's Rosh Chodesh. And he gives it to them, Lachem. Who is he talking to? Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron are brothers. So for you proof from this, that even brothers can be witnesses to a new moon and so to a father, son, or anybody else. Okay, very interesting proof. So now the question to the other rabbis, the Betin, uh, what would they say about this pasuk, right? Isn't it, is, in fact, given to brothers? So they would answer, I don't, No, what they're saying is that this testimony is given over to you, you meaning human beings, that it's up to you to go and look at the moon and try to find it and decide whether this is today's Rosh Chodesh or tomorrow's is Rosh Chodesh. In other words, the answer is not going to be an absolute uh, up in heaven, it's given over to you to figure it out. But you means means uh, anyone, anyone who is uh, authorized to be in charge, uh, to be a witness and then to be a judge, but not specifically you two as, as witnesses. 
Um, so it's more general. I mean, that probably is the Peshat. This is, you know, a law for you, uh, for all B'nai Israel. Okay, good. Now, what is the halacha le'maseh? Amar Rabbi Yoseh, maaseh b'tubi arofeh, that's the story. Amar Rav Hanan bar Rava, hilchetak Rabbi Shimon. Rav Hanan bar Rava says, we should follow Rabbi Shimon and allow a father and son relatives to be witnesses, which is pretty unusual. Amar le'er Rav Huna, Rav Hanan bar Rava, Rabbi Yoseh, umaaseh. So this Rav Hanan is challenged by Rav Huna, uh, who says, look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned Rabbi Shimon, it's true, but then it followed up with Rabbi Yoseh, who brought the story. So why is the Mishnah bringing this? It sounds like it's bringing the story to be authoritative. And it's quoted by Rabbi Yoseh. In general, when you have a halakha, a, a, a dispute between Rabbi Yoseh and a colleague, halacha is like Rabbi Yoseh. There was a rule like that in Masechet Eruvin. And so therefore, you have not only Rabbi Yoseh saying it, but also a whole story of what they actually did, and the Bet Din um, did not accept relatives. So it looks like from the Mishnah that halacha should not be Rabbi Shimon. Right? So he's challenging uh, uh, Rav Hanan's opinion. Rav Hanan defends himself. So Rav Hanan says, many times I was studying in front of Rav, Rav, the first generation uh, from Bavel, the great master of the, of, the, of, the, of the generation. And many times when I was um, uh, learning with him, I said in front of him, the law is like Rabbi Shimon in this case, that relatives are fine. And he never, they never corrected me. So from the fact they didn't correct me, means he agrees. So that's what, that's what I'm relying on. Amar Rav Huna, however, says, hold on, how do you read the Mishnah? All right, tell me the whole girsa that you have in the Mishnah. Oh, the opposite of you. In other words, Rav Hanan had the opinions opposite. He said that this is, is Rabbi Yoseh, who said relatives are okay. And this would be Shimon who quoted the story that relatives are not okay. So since he said the opposite, now it makes now we understand when he said in front of Rav, halacha is like Rabbi Shimon, right? Um, since he thought that was, since he had an opposite girsa, he was actually, right? So he was actually saying the opposite, that halacha is like the second, the last opinion, that relatives are not allowed. And that's why Rav did not, um, did not uh, correct him. Right, because when you recited the Mishnah, you switched the opinions, and then you said halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. Rav didn't bother to correct you because you were following to correct halacha that um, witnesses that relatives are no good. All right, so that's um, that's really interesting. You got to get you know agree on the terms first, and who said what, then you can figure out who you know to say what halacha is. Um, all right, so bottom line here at this point is that relatives are no good. And then we have one more opinion. Amar Tavi bere demari Tavi. Amar Morukva. Amar Shemuel. Halcheta kerebi Shimon. So halcha is like Rabbi Shimon. The thing about this last line is we don't know when he said this which version of the Mishnah he had. Did he have Rabbi Shimon like we have it, who says relatives are okay, or Rabbi Shimon the opposite way that relatives are not okay? It's not clear here. In any case, the uh, Rishonim. I uh, hear say halacha is like the one who says relatives are no good. And so I guess you would read this as it's as yes, it was switched around and relatives are not okay. We follow the betin and not the opinion of those kohanim. All right, excellent. And now next Mishnah. Um, Elu Hena Pesulin. 
this Mishnah has nothing to do with, um, with uh, Kiddush HaChodesh, but now that since you mentioned some, relative, some relatives and uh, the, the slave uh, who are uh, not, not invalid witnesses, here's another group of invalid witnesses. HaMesachek BeKubiya. Kubiya is the um, uh, Hebrew here, which is equivalent to cube. Cube meaning dice. So anyone who plays with dice cannot be a witness. Okay, it doesn't just mean throwing dice, it means sitting and gambling um, as they would do. Uh, looks like uh, this is an actual Roman sketch. Looks like they're playing uh, backgammon here. Okay, so um, I do ask before witnesses at a, at a wedding, before we choose witnesses, I asked if they are gamblers. Um, and so, you know, one guy once said, well, I play the stock market, so I didn't let him be a witness. Okay, just kidding. Um, and uh, so, uh, so someone who does that, no good. Why? Because gambling is kind of like stealing, even though you're not physically, you know, going breaking into someone's house and robbing them. Nevertheless, when people play, put put the money. When people play, they expect to win. So if someone loses, then they're giving over the money, but kind of unwillingly, like, oh, that's not fair. You took my money. It feels still still feels a grudge. He's not really giving the money. So the person that wins um, is uh, technically taking money that was uh, not his not fully given to him uh, totally willingly. Uh, so that's the idea. So therefore, if you gamble and always lose, you could still be a witness. All right, beat those who lend money with interest. It's not allowed. You're not allowed to take interest. So if someone takes interest, they're taking money that they are not allowed to take. And so that, therefore, that is also kind of like stealing. Uh, pigeon racers, another kind of betting. So during a shivit year, which we're in right now, one is allowed to go out into the field and take everything as hefked and take for oneself, but you can't store it up and sell it, um, do commerce. If you do that, then you're stealing. And so that's another form of stealing. All these are gezela mitrabanan. You're not, you're not physically taking something out of someone's pocket, but it is still the same. And so therefore, that kind of person is not trustworthy to be a witness. So you can't trust them to be, um, to be honest. So no good. Question? So if you're a banker, you can't be a witness now? I mean, seriously. Banker? If you're an honest banker, then you can be a witness. If you're a dishonest no, but, banker, then no. No, but, but, but you're malve beat. Oh, well, you're not allowed to be malve beat. Um, if, you're, if it's dealing with non-Jews, then it's okay. Um, that's the standard business practice. If it's dealing with Jews, and then you have to do, um, you have to write a contract that says, oh, we are partners in this. And then, um, and then some of the profits end up being the, well, you know, instead of the interest, um, we are, we're partners. So it's a standard form. You can ask your local rabbi if you, if you do need to do that. And uh, there are Jewish banks that do, in fact, um, uh, uh, use things like that. Or Moshe Feinstein's many teshuvot about how a corporation can work. Is a corporation a person? Can a corporate entity lend with interest? So this is a huge halacha. And yes, if you're involved in any kind of finance, you should make sure that you're uh, practicing it according to halacha. Um, good. Oh, Even if you don't want to be a witness, it's a separate halacha. But realistically speaking, if somebody's working at Goldman Sachs, they don't know what the bank lends to. So Mm -hmm. That should actually disqualify them from being witnesses. Right. So then, 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 it, then you have to see if it's if because it's a it's a corporation. Uh, so the corporate entity is separate from the person. I see. Okay. Thank you. Right. And also slaves. Uh, 
כל עדות שאין האישה כשרה לה, אף הן אינן כשרים לה. And here's a general rule. All these categories of people that cannot be, that cannot be witnesses, that's true in general. Anything that a woman, um, uh, that women cannot testify to, they also cannot testify to. So it's actually limiting it, saying they can testify to some things. Uh, a woman cannot testify regarding a, um, most things, crime and whatever, but they can testify to say, I saw that this person was dead, and therefore that person's wife is allowed to go and marry. So even if it's a single uh, a person, one witness, or a woman, or if it's any of these categories, they are believed, regarding certain categories of testimony. And so that would be equivalent uh, across the board there. Question, not a question, but this is implication. So since if uh, uh, anything that a woman as, is allowed to, so too the other group is allowed to. We learn from here that someone who is a rabbinic thief that doesn't mean he steals from rabbis. He means he violates stealing, uh, not, um, not actual stealing, but like these categories of gamblers, they can give testimony that a woman may remarry because they saw that the husband was dead. Um, so this is just uh, bringing out from the Mishnah what's already implied there. All right. And last Mishnah of the Pedic. We're now even more expanding the types of people that can violate Shabbat. Someone saw the new moon and he cannot walk. He's, uh, he's handicapped or uh, he's uh, elderly and can't walk so far. So we put him on an animal and he rides the animal or we put him in a bed, a stretcher, and we carry him there. So this shows that you can violate not only a melacha of, uh, of Tichum Shabbat, but even riding an animal, all kinds of uh, halachot, whatever you have to do, because this guy, he can't walk, but he has to get to Betin to make sure maybe he's the only one. This is the, my favorite line of the whole thing. Um, if there are people lying in wait for them to attack them, then you're allowed, they're allowed to carry clubs to defend themselves. Now, what are you talking about? Who is attacking the witnesses? They're not carrying money because it's Shabbat, so they don't have anything with them. Who are these, who are these uh, enemies? Uh, she explains they are the Sadducees and Samaritans. They're all the groups that follow the solar calendar. They would constantly try to disrupt the rabbis and, and their system of the solar of the lunar calendar because they want the solar. And therefore, they would lie in wait. They would see, oh, look at that guy. See, he's traveling on Shabbat. He looks like a rabbinic guy. And he must be going to testify. And they'd go attack them. So now the witnesses can counterattack. And they're allowed to violate Shabbat by carrying in, in public domain, which is uh, for sure, melachat de oraita, in order to defend themselves. So this gives you just a little hint of the, uh, how uh, heated and even violent this controversy was and why the rabbis would have to be so strong in making sure that it kept uh, going against those who were trying to attack it. If there's a far walk and they're going to get hungry on the way, they can take food, even though that's also going to be violating carrying. Because you're allowed to travel as much as a day and night's walk. The point is, that if you see the new moon on Friday afternoon, well, if you can get there before Shabbat is over, 
before the next day, then the witness, the Betin can still uh, question and accept it and declare that day to be the new, the, to be Rosh Chodesh. They can declare it any time during the day. If you're going to, if you're so far away, it's going to take you 28 hours to get there, then don't bother because it's already going to, that the first Rosh Chodesh will already have passed and necessarily they will make Rosh Chodesh. If they don't say it, if Betin doesn't say it, it doesn't become Rosh Chodesh. So then necessarily the 31st day will be Rosh Chodesh. Shen Emar, the Mishnah ends with the Pasuk. This is a proof text that you can even violate Shabbat. It's so important because we have to get the holidays right. These are the holidays of Shem, of Hashem, the ones that you call at the right time. So therefore, since you have to you have to get it at the right time, and the Pasuk says so, so therefore we have to do everything, all the steps that will and that will be necessary to get there are also required. Um, and we saw there was a Braita that quoted this above and drew out that lesson. All right. So Hadran Alach Arba'ad Shanim. We will return to this Pedic of the four heads of the year. There is no Gemara on this Mishnah. Instead, uh, we go directly to the second Pedic. You see, the second pedic flows right from the first. And here, if the witnesses come to the Betin in Jerusalem and they don't know who they are, right? They're not, they're not familiar. What, what's that last name? Who, what family are you? We don't know you. They don't know if they could trust them. Well, because in other words, maybe they are sectarians. Maybe these are some Sadducees that are trying to uh, maneuver and trick the rabbis and say, give false testimony to mess up the system. So unless we know who you are, we don't accept it. So therefore, So then you were, if you live in Modi'in and two people there say, we saw the moon, but they're unknown people. They're not, they're, they're not trust, they don't know to trust them. You can, the rabbi of the, of the city or other important people that the Betin knows can also travel uh, even on Shabbat to the Betin. So now you see there's two witnesses and another guy also to be the character witness to those guys saying, yeah, yeah, they're, they're okay. The Gemara will talk about how many character witnesses do you need. Um, here it says, Acher, sounds like one person, but maybe you would need two people to be character witnesses for them. That will be the conclusion. Story. At first, used to be that they would accept testimony from anyone, because why not? Uh, anyone who sees it, that's good. But when the Baitosim messed everything up, Baitosim is another name for the sectarians or another subgroup of sectarians, uh, they are pretty much interchangeable with the Sadducees. Anytime you see one, then uh, you, they, 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 it's hard to tell the difference. Um, but you can ask Rabbi Raymond Harari wrote his doctoral dissertation on Baitosim. Uh, so he is the world expert about this. Um, so when these Baitosim messed up the system and were untrustworthy, we're going to see a story about this. So then the Betin made a takana that we cannot accept, except we cannot accept testimony unless we know the people and trust them. And otherwise, they're going to have to send other people to be character witnesses. Okay, question. My had When it says here that they would send another person with them to be a character witness. How many? Just one person? 
Can you believe one person? Not usually, no. Here's a story. A certain person came with Aidav, with his witnesses with them, with him to be character witnesses. So you see, in that case, you had two. Oh, in the Mishnah, when it says that we send another, not another single person, we send another pair, right? And that you could read it very well. If we, if they don't uh, recognize it, not Oto is not him, but it, meaning the pair, then they send another pair of witnesses to be the character witnesses. And that's what we're going to say right now. This explanation of the Papa really fits very well into the Mishnah. If in that phrase, if they don't recognize him, him means a single person. Well, we wouldn't believe a single person anyway. So Mishpat Ketibe in the in the Mizmor of Tehilim that we say on Rosh Hashanah says Kichok Mishpat in other words, declaring the new moon to, to, to celebrate Rosh Hashanah is a mishpat. It's an official law. For all official laws, you need two witnesses. So therefore, just like the word oto refers to it, meaning a pair of witnesses. So to the uh, uh, the acher is a pair of witnesses. So you can now send two and two, right? You see the Mishnah just now expanding and expanding, right? You have many people. You have, you know, we saw before 40 pairs of, of people came. And so you might have hundreds of people that saw it. And then the people that have to carry them and the character witnesses, it's like, you know, may as well get everybody to just come and uh, testify. And that was, that was the idea. You wanted so as many people to be involved as, uh, as possible to really bring in the whole masses of people for sure. During the week, let everyone come and it becomes a huge spectacle. Um, and that's great PR uh, for upholding the rabbinic system. And then the chidush is even on Shabbat, you could do that, right? The chad, uh, that saying that you could do it on Shabbat really just shows how important it is. Now question, one witness is not, is not reliable? We have a beraita that seems to indicate it is. One time Rav Nehudai went to with uh, a witness to testify uh, on Shabbat in Usha. In other words, he was testifying um, about a, another way. He was being character witness for someone else. And it says that he went alone. Uh, so he, he was believed to be when he was alone. No, we say, no, you misunderstood the story. Really, someone else went with him. And someone else, but it didn't mention the other person because of Rabbi Nodai's honor. Even Rabbi Nodai, the great rabbi, he went to be a character witness for someone else. So that's the, you know, showing the greatness of Rabbi Nodai. So we don't have to mention the other person who was not as important. Um, that's, a pen, that's answer number one. Or answer number two. Oh, there was already another, by the way, all this is happening in Usha. Um, Usha was the home, uh, the seat of the Betin Hagadol after it left Jerusalem and after it left Yavne um, because of uh, Bar Kokhva revolt and they couldn't be in the south at all. Then it went up north to Usha. And that's still where the Sanhedrin is. So to be no right, there was already 
another witness there, there already to be a, a, one character witness. And Rabbi Yonara is the only one that had to travel because he was far, so he went there. Um, but in fact, there was two witnesses. So either, either of the answers, there was in fact two, two witnesses to be character witnesses. And then we ask, so if so, if there was two witnesses, then what's, what's the chidush? Why are you even telling me this story? Who cares that Rabbi Yonara went to be a character witness? Uh, uh, it's not, you're not adding any halacha. Oh, it has to teach us that. When he goes, he's not sure. He's not sure. Is the other guy going to be there? Um, or even if he's going with him, is the other guy going to be accepted? Am I going to be needed? Are they going to even need this pair of witnesses? He doesn't know for sure. Nevertheless, you can violate Shabbat even if you're in doubt whether your testimony will actually be necessary and accepted. Okay. So Ula, he went back and forth sometimes. And when he went from Israel to Bavel one time, he testified to them and said, oh, listen, they sanctified the new moon in Israel on a certain day. So therefore, you know, uh, update your calendars. Now he was alone and yet he was accepted to give testimony about what the Betin did. Ravkana says they didn't accept it because he was Ula and he's such a great person. He is a great person. But truth is, anyone who comes and gives that testimony, they would be believed. You see, this is different than witnesses who are coming to Jerusalem to say they saw the moon. For that, you need two witnesses. It has to be official. Also, to be character witnesses, you also have to need two to be official. But this is talking about being a messenger. And it says, I was there and I heard the Betin say Mikudash. And now I'm just letting you know what they said. So for that, you don't need two witnesses. Why? My Tama. have a general rule. Anything that will eventually be revealed anyway, a person's not going to lie about, right? Um, I'm not going to go and lie to you about something that in a few hours, you're going to hear it anyway, and then you're going to hear that I'm wrong, right? So nobody would lie about such a thing. So Ola happened to get there first, but probably, you know, tomorrow, someone else will come and say, no, that's not true. They didn't do that. And then Ula will look, uh, or anyone who's coming, they'll, they'll, they'll look like liars. Everybody's like, why did you tell me that? So you got to say, uh, uh, say in a true way. Um, good. Um, you know, in general, people, if someone get, tells you a story, oh, this person said that, and you know the person, you could probably rely on that, their, uh, their, their testimony, because they know you can just go and ask them, and then, you know, they'll, then you'll realize that it wasn't true. So therefore, you all need one person. And the Braita goes to an extreme to say, some person comes from the other side of the world. We don't know who he is. And he said, oh, Betty made it, made it, made it uh, this day. We believe that person. Okay. Interesting. We believe them because we do also know that there must have been a lot of people that were trying to mess it up. But Ula is already in Amora from later on. So by, by his time, I don't think that there were any sectari sectarians that were active anymore. So then you could believe any random person. Um, but the Mishnah is, uh, is being written describing Bet Mikdash times and, and right after when the sectarians were very much active. And so then you couldn't trust people. Okay. And so going on the Mishnah that they used to believe anyone. And it says once the Baitosim came and messed it up, 
then they couldn't trust anyone who they didn't know and you had to send character witnesses. So what was the story? It's referring to some event that the Baitosi messed something up. Here's the story. One time the Baitosim wanted to uh, corrupt the system of the Chachamim. So what they do? See, and by the way, they could be corrupting it and then uh, and for various reasons. One might be because according to the sectarians, let's say Shavuot should be on Sunday. So if they see that, oh, they're going to make it such a way that Shavuot's going to be on Saturday, maybe they'll send witnesses so that they will falsely um, push it up a day or back a day. So let's say it was going to be Monday. So they'd send witnesses to say, oh, the Shavuot is today uh, or a day earlier to make it up a day. So they might do that because the rabbis, Pharisees were in charge in the Bet HaMikdash at that time. And so they wanted to make sure the Bet HaMikdash would follow their calendar. That could be, but you don't have to say that. It could just be that they're giving you know, misinformation, just, just spreading false news so that people don't trust the entire system altogether. I think that's more likely. Um, so, so what they do? So the Baitosim went and they hired two people with for uh, 400 zoos um, together. One of them was a member of the Pharisee slash rabbis, and one of them was a Baitosi from their own. And they hired them, go and testify falsely to say, say that you saw the new moon, even though you didn't see it. Now, whenever two witnesses come to the Betin, they separate them so that they don't hear each other and they question them. So first the Baitosi went, he gave his testimony and he left. And then the Pharisee slash rabbi, he went, So they asked him the standard question, tell me, how did you see it? Was, did you see it this way, this way, what shape, where, what? And he gives them a really unusual answer. He says, Oh, I was up there and going up the mountain of Male Adumim. You can go there now. Just outside of Jerusalem. I saw the moon. It was crouched between two rocks. Its head was like a calf. Its ears were like a kid. Goat. And its horns were like a deer. Okay, what are we talking about? It seems like total nonsense, right? He's talking about a moon. It's just round or, you know, just a sliver. And his tail was between his thighs. And when I saw it, I was so scared of this image that I fell backwards. You could see the judge's face is looking at this guy like he's completely insane. As if you don't believe me, and if you don't believe me, here's 200 zoos that will prove it. In other words, he's more than, you know, hinting kind of explicitly that he was hired to lie. And so therefore he's telling this elaborate lie to show, right? I am, I want to, I'm, I'm an informer, basically. He's, um, he's a double agent and he's telling the Betin, yes, they hired me. And, uh, you know, they, they, they intimidated me uh, into doing this, but I, this is a lie and I'm revealing to you their scheme. So the judges say, oh, who, who put you up to this, right? Who's responsible? Says, yeah, I heard a rumor going around that the Baitosim were um, made a plot to uh, mislead the sages. So I said, let me volunteer 
to go and be that person so that I can foil the plot. Because maybe someone else will, who's really, um, uh, who's really a traitor. Um, and they, he, they will actually go through with the plot. So I said, let me be a spy and I will uh, betray them and tell you about it. So, okay, good guy. So the rabbi said, and thank you and and reward for being a good Samaritan. I mean, the opposite, being not a, not a Samaritan, but good, right? Um, you can get keep the 200 uh, zoos and those who hired you, may they be uh, tied to a post so that we can uh, give them lashes for doing that. And that was the story that the background of the Mishnah they realize that we can't just trust any witness. Look, look what happened. They're going to, going to do this again and uh, send this, send this uh, false information, um, false news. And therefore, they said, we have to know the person before we can accept it. All right, fantastic story. And next, Mishnah. So at first, they had this amazing system to get the word out Whenever they would declare today's the new moon, then they would um, have someone go run up to run up a mountain and he would uh, wave a um, we have a picture here. Yeah. Wave a torch. And then this torch would be seen on the next mountain over and they would light their torch and mountain to mountain. How would they do it? They bring a long cedar pole and various items that uh, are flammable of different. So it would be, you know, it would be uh, the string and the flax would, would, would light up easily. And then that would make the rest of it all light up. And um, they would tie the whole, that whole package together with string to make this um, uh, torch on the top, and they would go to the top of the mountain, and then he'd light it up. And then, and then he'd wave it up and down, side to side. This is the same way we wave a lulav, which just happens to be the same way that we wave a korban, like korban ha'omed. Um, but, so this is, maybe it's, maybe it's kind of like a, a holy act, um, but also so that it'll be more visible when you, by, by moving it. And then the person who's waiting on the second mountain, they wait there all day uh, whenever to see whenever a, a, the witness might come, witnesses may come, and then the Betin will declare Mikudash. So he's waiting, looking at the first mountain. When he sees it, he lights his up. And so on the third mountain, and it keeps going. Where, what was the pathway? From the Mount of Olives to this place, and that was the last stop of Baltin, and they wouldn't go further from there, but rather they'd continue waving, continue waving, even though they got the message all the way there because. 
this spectacle was so impressive. You see, it's kind of like, you know, from the hub, from the Betin in Jerusalem, there light shines, shines forth and you can, can see it growing and going throughout the growing of the, of the, of the torches almost parallels the growing of the moon from nothing to a sliver to a growing moon. And this would be so impressive, such a sight and would really emphasize in the, in the minds of the people the author, central authority of the Betin and how all of Torah and light and enlightenment comes from there all the way through Israel and even out into Babel, because in just a few minutes, right, you can travel this far. So here's the place names that it mentioned just now. And you see from here to here would be quite long. So you have to assume that there were also uh, places along the way that in order to do this, but they weren't necessarily set places wherever they put it. And it would go all the way out here to Babel, where the where the Babylonian yeshivot and sages were. So really quite amazing that they're able to do this until the um, the Kutim came and messed it up, right? What'd they do? They came they came up some mountain on a random, the wrong day, and they lit up torches. And then the people saw, oh, look, there's a torch. And then they lit it themselves and they messed up. And then everyone thought it was Rosh Chodesh when in fact it was not. Um, that also happens in the game, in the in the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. Sorry, the Lord of the Rings movie. The same thing happens. Okay, my mashma last line. The Masiin lishana dikodhu tichtiv vaisaem David vaanashav mutargiminan vaoktinan David. This word Masiin usually that, that, that means to to lift up, right? Nasa. So and why is it over here? It's used to mean to burn. So where does where do we ever see that it means to burn? And the answer is here. When David and his people conquer the Pilishtim and the Pilishtim abandon their idols, says, David and his men carried them off. Literally means they picked them up and took them. But the Targum there in Aramaic says, David, that they burned them. So you see from that Targum that the word, um, this word that means not only to lift up, but also to burn. I guess when you burn things, they also go up and smoke, so it's a related route. And so we'll uh, leave our, um, our burning torches there, and we'll learn more about the details of that system on the next stuff. Baruch Adonai Lodam, Amen ve'amen.